0: So let's go to Exodus chapter 33. Just put your hand in your bible if you have one or in your phone or on your if you don't have either on your head or something say this is God's holy word. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy, holy Spirit will move upon me and remove the veil of the law and I will have a spirit of hearing and seeing and understanding, understanding. i receive the, word, receive the word and i will be a good fruit in jesus name all right are you ready okay so exodus chapter 33 this is where where god revealed his glory to moses you know god said to um to moses verse 9 moses entered the tent the pillar of the cloud descended and all the people saw the pillar and the cloud. And the Lord spoke to Moses face to face, verse 11. And Moses returned to the camp and so on and Joshua and uh, whoever stayed in the tent. Okay, now it says, verse 12, Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know who you will send with me. Yet you said, I know you by name and You have found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray you, if I have found favor in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you. Okay, so the whole point of what Moses said here is he wanted to know him. He wanted to know him. Show me your way, that I may know you. Okay? And that I may find favor in your sight. If I have found favor in your sight, show me your way, so I can know you, so I can find favor in your sight. And the Lord, and Lord, do consider that this nation is your people. And the Lord said, My presence shall go with you. And Moses said, Lord, if your presence doesn't go with me, don't carry us up from here. For by what shall it be known that I and your people have found favor in your sight? Is not that by in your going with us so that we are distinguished? I and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing also that you have asked. For you have found favor, loving kindness and mercy in my sight. And I know you personally and by name. And Moses said, I beseech you, show me your glory. God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. Okay. God, show me your glory. What's God's response? I will make my glory. Goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, before you. For I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. For I will show mercy and loving kindness and whom I will show mercy and loving kindness. Lord, show me your glory. God shows His goodness and His mercy and His loving kindness. I will be gracious to him. I will be gracious. I will show mercy to him. I will show mercy. Verse 20, but he said, you cannot see my face for no man shall see you and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place beside me and you shall stand upon the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Okay. Isaiah chapter 2. So God says, you'll stand, there's a place beside me. At my right hand. There's a place beside me. And you will stand upon the rock. And I will hide you in the cleft of the rock until i have passed by i put my hand over you i'll hide you in there okay all right so isaiah chapter 2 let's start at verse 5 it's a bit of a rebuke so let here we go oh house of jacob come let us walk in the light of the lord surely lord you have rejected and forsaken your people the House of Jacob, because they are filled with customs from the East and from the soothsayers who foretell like the Philistines, also they strike hands and make pledges and agreements with the children of aliens. Their land also is full of silver and gold. neither is there any end to their treasures. The land is also full of horses, neither is there any end to their chariots. The land is also full of idols. They worship the work of their own hands. What their own fingers have made. And the common man is bowed down before idols. Also the great man is brought low and humbles himself. Therefore forgive them not, O Lord. Okay, so this is, this is a rebuke. Okay, in the time of the law. But now listen, 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 listen. Verse 10. Enter into the rock. And hide yourself in the dust from before the terror of the Lord and from the glory of his majesty. Okay. The proud looks of a man shall be brought low and the haughtiness of men shall be humbled and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. Okay. So there's a day that he talked about. He said, enter into the rock and hide yourself in the dust. Okay. There's a place in the rock. Said, there's a place beside me that you will stand. And I will hide you in there, and I will put my hand on you, and I will pass by, and afterward I will lift my hands, and you will see my back. Now I've spoken about this. But in Second Peter one he says, no, first Peter one he says, the prophets prophesied of the sufferings of the Christ. And the glory that should follow. Okay, so the sufferings of the Christ. Jesus Christ crucified. So God showing his wrath, his majesty, his glory. Because that's the big moment where he showed, he manifested his love. Where the wrath of all the law was poured out on his only son for the benefit of the ungodly an act of love, an act of righteousness to justify the ungodly. All right. So he says, there's a place beside me, and there's a cleft of the rock, and I will hide you, and I will put my hand on you, and I will pass by, and afterwards you will see what follows. The sufferings of the cross and the glory that should follow. All right? Does it make sense? Okay, now in Isaiah chapter 2, there is he refers to the cleft in the rock. He says, enter into the rock and hide yourself in the dust. So he speaks of a burial. So Jesus, there was a hollowed out rock, a cave. And he suffered and he died. And his body was put in the tomb. And the rock was put in front of it. Okay. Now he he prophesies... To Jesus, and he says, Enter into the rock and hide yourself in the dust from before the terror of the Lord and from the glory of his majesty. Okay. I have been crucified with Christ. It is not I that live. Christ lives within me. The life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself of me. So through baptism, okay romans chapter 6 are you ignorant of the fact that everyone who have been baptized into christ have been baptized into his death so i was baptized into his grave i was placed in the cleft of the rock and covered until the wrath passed by And he took me out, resurrection coming up out of the water of baptism. And he showed me what followed, the glory. Okay, does it make sense? Did I lose anyone? Okay, so there's a place in God, a place in the cleft of the rock. Okay, so let's just go to Matthew, Matthew chapter 16. See how how much we will leave out and how much we will put in. Okay, so in verse 13. Now when Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they answered, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others say jeremiah one of the prophets he said to them but who do you yourselves say that i am simon peter replied so now simon speaking of the natural peter speaking of the spiritual so simon peter replied you are the christ the son of the living god then jesus answered him blessed are you simon bar jonah natural birth For flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, spiritual man. Okay? Greek, Petros, a large piece of rock. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades, the powers of the infernal region, shall not overpower it. Or be strong to its detriment or hold it out against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth must be what's already bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth must be what's already loosed in heaven. Then he sternly and strictly charged and warned the disciples to tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. Okay. So, a revelation of Jesus. Jesus. Jesus showing who he was. Who do people say that I am? Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're a prophet. You, who do you say that I am? Peter gets a revelation from the Spirit. From the Father. You are the Christ. So Jesus says, you got the revelation from the Father. That means you must be on the rock. You saw something of the glory. That means you must be standing on the rock. So this is the revelation. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Okay. What made Peter the rock? What made him Peter? Rocky. Okay. What made him the rock? The revelation of who Jesus is. You are the Christ, the Son. You are the Christ, the Son. Blessed are you, Simon bar for flesh and blood did not reveal this. But my Father who is in heaven revealed this to you. I say to you, you are Peter. Okay. And on this rock, I will build my church. So come beside me. There's a place on the rock. Come and stand here, and I will show you my goodness. Okay, how do we come to stand beside him on the rock? He said, there's a cleft in the rock, and I will put my hand over there. I will hide you in there, and I will put my hand on it, and the wrath will pass by, and I will lift it up, and you will see the glory. so the cleft of the rock is a revelation of us being in christ the cleft of the rock is us being hidden from the scourge us being hidden from the wrath of the law us being hidden from the reward of the wicked in the cleft of the rock buried in baptism in christ and what comes after the resurrection or after the coming up out of the water of baptism? Yeah, yeah. Glory. All yeah. mm. right? It's just really, really simple. I just want to continue reading in Matthew chapter 6. Okay, he says, the keys of the kingdom. Verse 21, from that time forth, Jesus began clearly to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem to suffer many things at the hands of the elders. So you see the sufferings of the Christ? The glory that should follow. And he killed on the third day, be raised from the dead. So that's the revelation. Suffer, killed, third day be raised. Then Peter took him aside to speak to him privately. Began to reprove and and charge him sharply, saying, God forbid, Lord, this must never happen to you. But Jesus turned away from Peter and said to him. One uh, other account says Jesus turned his back to peter and he faced the disciples he said get behind me satan okay you are in my way an offense and a hindrance and a snare to me for your mind minding what partake, what partakes not of the nature and the quality of god but of men okay you savourest not the things that be of god but those that be of men Okay, so Peter didn't want Jesus to suffer. So if we don't want Jesus to suffer on our behalf, we can't be hidden in the cleft of the rock. First he said to him, when he realized, that, hey, you are the son, he said, there's a place on the rock. You are Peter. And he said, no, 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 you mustn't go to the cross. He said, get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me, a stumbling block. Okay, so Jesus is the stone that the builders rejected. And the stone or the rock that the builders rejected became the chief of the stone, of, of the corner. So he will either be 1 Corinthians 1. An offense and a stumbling block to, to, to us, to the Jews, is an offense to the Greeks, foolishness, okay? So he will either be a stone of stumbling or he will be a rock of refuge. Depends on whether you receive, whether you believe in what he did for you. He will either be a stone of stumbling, a stone rejected, but that became the chief of the corner. Or, he will be a rock of refuge. And he is our rock of refuge. And we go and we hide ourselves in him. There's that old song. Who knows that song? Rock of ages cleft for me. I will hide myself in thee. Okay? Okay. Rock of ages, cleft for me. I will hide myself in thee. Okay. There's a place in the rock. We need to enter in there. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous run into it. There's a place in him. A place in him who is the rock. Him who is the foundation. That place is where we are safe. That place is where we are hidden from all that goes around on the outside. Yeah. Okay, Psalm 91. Psalm 91. I wanted to do Romans 6 and Romans 7 and First Corinthians 10. And First Corinthians 11. And Zephaniah 3. Let's see. He dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty. As power of no foe can withstand. So there's a place, okay? Secret place of the Most High. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. My fortress, my guardian. In my lean and rely. And in him I confidently trust. For then he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under the wings shall you trust and find refuge. His truth and his faithfulness are a shield and a buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror of the night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor of the destruction and sudden death that surprise and lay waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only a spectator shall you be yourself, inaccessible in the secret place of the Most High, as you witness the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your refuge and the Most High your dwelling place, there shall no evil befall you, nor any plague or calamity come near your tent. For he will give his angels his special charge over you, to accompany and defend and preserve you in all your ways. They shall bear you up on on their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Or a law. (laughs) You shall tread upon the lion and the adder. Okay, so the lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. But you shall tread upon him. And the adder, you know, the seed of the woman will bruise or crush the head of the seed of the serpent. The young lion and the serpent shall you trample underfoot. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high. High upon the rock. Because he knows and understands my name. As a personal knowledge of my mercy, love and kindness. Trusts and relies on me. Knowing I will never forsake him. No, never. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With a long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. You have a savior. And he will show you his salvation. You need to run to him. You need to let him save you. Right? So there's a place beside him on the rock. There's a cleft in the rock. Colossians chapter 3 that we know so well. If then you have been risen with Christ. Also speaking of the death and the resurrection, the baptism. Aim at and seek the rich eternal treasures that are above where Christ is seated. At the right hand of the Father. Okay? Next to him. (laughs) Okay. He said... Uh, set your minds and keep them set on the things that are above so we need to set our minds you need to meditate on the word the word is not going to meditate the word for you you need to meditate the word and if it's difficult for you just put on a cd or something but get your mind on the word cds we even use the cds anymore okay put on a Club, or <laughs> so <laughs> there are people so not a tape but a cd okay some people don't even know what a tape is <laughs> all right put on something but you gotta meditate he says for as far as this world is concerned Colossians 3 verse 3 you have died and your new real life is hidden with christ in god all right where did the water flow from when moses went through the desert where did the water flow from from the rock from the cleft of the rock Okay. You are hidden with Christ in God. In Revelation, where does the water flow from? It flows from the throne, out of the throne, and out of the Lamb. Okay. In John 7, where does the water flow from? Out of your belly. There will flow rivers of living water. So, if you abide in the cleft of the rock the throne and the lamb the cleft of the rock and your belly is the same place and out of it flows rivers streams and rivers of living water okay as far as this world is concerned You have died. Your new real life is hidden with Christ in God. There's a spring of life that's flowing from the midst of the secret place. And we need to find it. And we need to drink from it. Okay? And then he says, when Christ shall appear, you will appear with him in the splendor of his glory. Okay. So what happened after he passed over and hid him in the cleft of the rock? He saw his glory. He heard in Exodus 3:4 when he when he when it now happened, he says he heard the Lord, the Lord, gracious, compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. Okay. So he said afterward, I will take my hand off and you will see my back. You will see that which follows the glory. I hope I hope you get the revelation. Okay. So there's a place in Christ. And there's a spring of living water flowing there. So, after Moses went, took them through the Red Sea. When they got to the other side, he stretched out his hand, and the sea closed, and the Egyptians were gone. Okay? And they sang the song of Moses. All right? When they went through the water, 1 Corinthians 6, just listen to this. This is is a prefigure of Christ, 1 Corinthians 6. Is it 6 or is it 10? It's 10, sorry, forgive me. Okay. 1 Corinthians 10, he says, listen to this. For I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, that our forefathers were all under and protected by the cloud in which God's presence went before them. And every one of them passed safely through the Red Sea. And each one of them allowed himself also to be baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And they were thus brought under obligation to the law, to Moses and to the covenant, consecrated and set apart to the service of God. And all of them ate the same spiritual, supernaturally given food. And they all drank the same spiritually, supernaturally given drink. For they drank From a spiritual rock which followed them, produced by the soul power of God himself. And the rock was Christ. Okay. So they were baptized into Moses. They all drank. They ate supernatural food. They drank supernatural drink. They were baptized into Moses when they went through the Red Sea under the cloud. All right. So when Moses stood in the cleft of the rock, they all stood in the cleft of the rock because they were baptized into Moses. Okay. So Moses is a prefigure of Christ. Now in Romans chapter 6, I've mentioned it just a while ago, but in Romans chapter 6, just listen to this. Okay. What shall we say to this? Are we to remain in sin in order that God's grace may, and mercy may multiply and overflow? Certainly not. How can we who died to sin live in it any longer? Okay, so what's the picture of the baptism? I die and I'm raised. Okay, so the Israelites died to the bondage of Egypt. And Egypt was buried in the waters of the Red Sea. Red, speaking of the blood. Coming up out of it afterwards, baptized into Moses. Okay, now, are you ignorant of the fact that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by the baptism into death. Okay, where was he placed in death? In the tomb, a hollowed-out rock, with a rock in front of it, in the cleft of the rock. So that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, so we too might habitually live and behave in newness of life. For if we have become one, one with him by sharing a death like his, we shall also be one with him In sharing his resurrection by a new life lived for God. We know that our old, unrenewed self was nailed to the cross with him. So if you're struggling, see your sin nailed to the cross. See it with him. In order that our body, which is the instrument of sin, might be made ineffective and inactive for evil. That we might no longer be slaves of sin. For when a man dies, he's freed from the power of sin. Now if we have died with Christ we believe that we shall also live with him because we know that Christ being once raised from the dead will never die again death no longer has power over him for by the death he died he died to sin ending his relation to it once for all and the life that he lives he is living to God in unbroken fellowship with him even so consider yourselves also dead to sin relation to it broken alive to God living in unbroken fellowship with him In Christ Jesus, let not sin therefore rule as king in your mortal bodies. Okay, back to Colossians 3. Uh, uh, When Christ shall appear, you will appear with him in the splendor of his glory. So kill, verse 5, the evil uh, desire lurking in your members. So kill. How do I kill it? I am hidden with Christ in God. I'm buried with him in baptism but I'm raised in union with him in his glory. So it is by faith that what he went through, I went through when he went through it. I have been baptized into him. So what he did represented me. Okay? So there's a place in the cleft of the rock. So basically, Christianity is an invitation for us to come and die. (laughs) And to let Christ live in us. Christianity is not a program for you to become a better you. There are great programs out there if you want that, but Christianity is not that. (laughs) <laughs> Christianity is about me laying down my life, not trying to fix it, not trying to save it, and receiving his life. Okay. So First Corinthians 2 says, cutting out of, I think Isaiah 64 or not, probably exactly sure right now and i think it's Isaiah 64 it says what i have not seen what ear hath not heard neither has it come up in the in the hearts of men are the things that god has prepared for them that love him right okay so god is trying to give us something that we haven't seen as we haven't heard and he asks us to give up what we do see and what we know So, in the process, he says, our body, which is the instrument of sin, is made ineffective and inactive for evil, that we might no longer be slaves of sin. So, the gospel deactivates the desires that the law stirred up. Romans 7, the law stirs up the forbidden desires. Being baptized into him, Believing that I died, it makes my body ineffective and inactive for evil, so it switches off desires. And it switches on his desires in me. Okay? Otherwise, how do I desire something that I've never seen? How do I long for something that I've never heard? How do I know I want what he has to give? So this is the spot where a lot of people are caught. Caught between the promise of something better, but they don't know what it is. And they have to lay down something that their whole old nature desires fervently. How do you deny a desire for the promise of another desire of something that you don't know what it is? (laughs) Let me just give you a hint. The promise is Him. And the glory that is about to be revealed, like Romans 8 says, like 1 Peter 1 says, is more and more of Him. So there are things in Him that we have no idea about. But for us, to, for us to know, listen, this is, this is what we need to grab, and this is what we need to lay down. We need something. We need to experience something. So Psalm 34 verse 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. So God shows his goodness to all. God shows his goodness to all. God shows his goodness to all. He showers you with his goodness. He gives you his mercy. He gives you his grace. He shows you his goodness, his goodness, his goodness. Taste and see the Romans chapter 2 verse 4. Do you not know that it is the goodness of God that leads people to repentance? So tasting the goodness, experiencing the goodness of God, even if it's just a taster, you know, or like a, a foretaste of what is to come. A teaser or a, you know. If I'm you know, so trailer, you know. Even if it's just that, you see, hey, this is a good movie. I'm going to go see it. But if you never saw the trailer, you would never see the movie. Okay, just, just work with me here. Okay, so God is trying to to let you experience something so that you can trust that what he really has for you is good. is even better than what you've experienced. So, there's so much more that he wants to give. But he can't give it if we don't want to lay down the old stuff and embrace what he wants to give. Because he can never force it on you. Because if he does, he stops being good. All right. God wants to shower you with his goodness. He wants to show you his goodness. Just taste. Just taste and see that the Lord is good. Just taste and see that the Lord is good. The problem is we are so used to life. We are so used to the thing that we actually need to lay down that we can't lay it down because it's familiar to us. We can't lay down the familiar in favour of the unfamiliar, even though the unfamiliar is much better. So what's the answer? God will God will show his goodness to you until you open your heart. He will give you his, his grace until you get it. He will give you more he will give you more and more grace. James 4 verse 6, power of the Holy Spirit. It gives you more and more grace to meet this evil tendency and all others fully. And just the previous verse says the Holy Spirit yearns to be welcome with a jealous love. Okay? He's trying to show us his goodness so that we can just get a little bit of a glimpse if we can get a glimpse of how good he is our heart opens up a little bit and he can give us more and if we can taste that and then he can give us more and if we can taste that he can give us more god's response to sin is mercy god's response to the wickedness of nations throughout all the ages is not wrath the wrath came upon His Son so that He can give you mercy. Because I will be merciful to whom I will be merciful. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. The Lord, the Lord, gracious, compassionate, and slow to anger and reaching off. Okay. So, if you want to know the unsearchable riches, if you want to know the unrevealed mysteries of the goodness of God. Just taste what he reveals to you today. Mm -hmm. Just embrace the goodness that he shows you today. Taste it, recognize that it is good, and open your heart. Okay? He's not... Listen, if, if the law could convince people to turn to God, then Jesus didn't need to come. So imagine, Moses came down from the mountain and said, you mustn't do this, you must do this. Everyone says, chop, okay. And from there on, everything was just perfect. <laughs> because now they knew. <laughs> but it wasn't, was it? The exact opposite of what they were supposed to do happened because the law stirs up a forbidden desire. Yeah. And people went... For that desire. Because we don't trust that what he has to give is better. Because we haven't experienced. God wants you to experience for yourself the goodness of God. So that you can trust him. So that he can give you more. Okay? All right. Man. So much. I haven't even started with a message okay I'll leave out a lot and let's go for it we'll push on Matthew 16 again back to Matthew 16 Sorry. okay okay so Jesus said to Peter get behind me Satan verse 24 then Jesus said to his disciples if anyone desires to be my disciple let him deny himself Disregard, Lose sight of, forget himself and his own interests. And take up his cross and follow me. How do you take up your cross? And This sounds hard. The cross is where Jesus died. Okay. So your cross is where you died. Just think of it. So it means if you want to know God, you need to... Let go of the natural and embrace the spiritual. You need to let go of the old and embrace the new because through the gospel you have died and your new life is hidden with Christ in God. So, for you to know Him and to follow Him, taking up your cross means embracing what He gives and leaving the old. Okay? All right, now He says. For whoever is bent on saving his temporary life, natural life, shall lose it, eternal life. And whoever loses his life, his comfort, security here, for my sake, shall shall find it, life everlasting. Okay, so if you try to hold on to the natural life, you lose the spiritual life that he wants to give to you. But if you are willing to lay it down and just... Receive it and taste and see that it is good and embrace it. You lose something. You do lose something. And it feels hard and it feels scary and it feels rough and it's, just, and it feels difficult. But the moment you taste what he gives is so much better. It's so much higher. It's so much greater than what you lost. It's so much more. There's so much, for all eternity, you will not get to the end of the fathomless riches of his goodness. Okay. All right. We need to leave the old, the natural, and we need to embrace what he is giving. Okay. Okay. That means leaving my desire to be religious, my desire to be right, leaving my right to an opinion because I died, a dead guy doesn't have an opinion. A dead guy doesn't win an argument. Jesus just said whatever Jesus whatever the Father said, that's what it is. Nothing else. So, the cost of the anointing is us losing something and us gaining something else. What we lose is the very thing we need to be saved from. And what we gain is the, it is the gift of righteousness and eternal life. We need to leave the one and embrace the other. Okay. Okay. It's a gift. So he didn't say you need to produce it for him. He said you, you need to receive. Yeah. Receive the abundance of grace, the free gift of righteousness. Just just let him take away the old. Let him give you the new. Okay? All right. <gasps> That's just so much. Okay. Luke chapter, I'm going to go quick. Luke chapter 17, much the same thing. Verse 33. Whoever tries to preserve his life will lose it, but who loses his life will preserve and quicken it. I tell you, in that night there will be two men in one bed, one will be taken, one will be left, there will be... Two women grinding together, one will be taken, one will be left. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken, one will be left. And they asked Jesus, where, Lord? He said, wherever the dead body is there, the vultures will gather. Okay, listen. If we, if we never leave the old stuff, we, how can I put it? The dead, the death we need save, saving from, the, the vultures, <laughs> the bad stuff trying to get us, is preying on the natural life. Yeah. Okay? The glory God is giving us is a free gift that we embrace. Yeah. Okay. We don't need to fix, we've said it so many times, yeah. fix Adam. But we need to embrace Christ who is already holy, already blessed, already righteous. Okay. So I'm just going to speak through this because otherwise it's going to take too much time. Hebrews chapter 2. I'm going to have to read some of it (laughs) because I don't know it that well. Okay. (laughs) So Hebrews chapter 2, he says, just listen to this. Since all this is true, we ought to pay much closer attention than ever to the truths that we have heard, lest in any way we drift past them and slip away. Okay? Let's fast forward a little bit. Verse 14. Since therefore these his children share in flesh and blood, in the physical nature of human beings, he himself in a similar manner, Partook of the same nature, that by going through death he might bring to naught and make of no effect him who had power, who had the power of death, that is the devil. And also that he might deliver and completely set free all those who through the haunting fear of death were held in bondage throughout the whole course of their lives. For as we all know, Christ did not take hold of angels fallen angels to give them a helping and delivering hand, but he did take hold of the fallen descendants of Abraham to reach out to them a helping and delivering hand. So it is evident that it was essential that he be made like his brethren in every respect in order that he might become a merciful, sympathetic, and faithful high priest in the things related to God to make atonement and propitiation for the people's sins. So if you're going through something, he went through it also. If you think you're facing something, he faced it too. Too. He knows what you're going through. So he says, verse 18. For because he himself in in his humanity has suffered in being tempted, tested, and tried, he is able immediately to run to the cry and assist and relieve those who are being tempted, tested, and tried, and who therefore are being exposed to suffering. And this is the point. You can't leave the old. And embrace the new. You need a savior. And if you receive what he gives. If you receive the word that he gives you. He removes the old out of your life. And he imparts the new into into your life. Allow him to save you. Allow him to help you. Zephaniah 3. You have a savior who is mighty to save. Okay. Okay. Hebrews 3 verse 1. So then, brethren, consecrate it and set apart for God, who share in the heavenly calling. Thoughtfully and attentively consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest, whom we confessed as ours when we embrace the Christian faith. Okay. He's able to run to the cry immediately. So, therefore, consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. If you have a trial, consider Jesus. If you have something that you need to lay down, a cross that you need to take up, consider Jesus. Consider the cross. Think of Him. Hebrews chapter 12. Since we are surrounded by so great a greater cloud of witnesses, let us. Run this race with steady and active persistence. And he says, looking away from all that will distract. To Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Okay, so look to him. Consider him. Think of him. Remember him. Okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Sorry. Oh, I got it. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Okay, listen to this. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. Therefore, if, let anyone who thinks he stands, who feels sure there is a steadfast mind and is standing firm, take heed lest he fall. For no temptation, no matter how it comes or where it leads, has overtaken you and laid hold of you that is not common to man. That is, no temptation or trial has come to you that is beyond human resistance and that is not adjusted and adapted and belonging to human experience as such as man can bear. But God is faithful to His word and compassionate nature, and He can be trusted not to let you be tempted and tried and essayed beyond your ability and strength of resistance to endure. But with temptation he will always also provide the way out, the means of escape to a landing place, that you may be capable and strong and powerful to bear up under it patiently. Therefore, beloved, shun, clear away from a void by flight, if need be, any sort of idolatry. Okay, verse 15. I'm speaking as to intelligent men. Think over and make up your minds for yourselves about what I say. I appeal to your reason and your discernment in these matters. The cup of blessing of wine at the Lord's Supper. Upon which we ask God's blessing. Does it not mean that in drinking it we participate and share a fellowship and communion in the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, does it not mean that in eating it we participate in and share a fellowship in the body of Christ? Okay. The way of escape. The cup of blessing. So if there's a problem, he's able immediately to run. So consider Jesus. How do I consider him the cup of blessing, the bread which we break? Okay, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 24. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this to call me affectionately to remembrance. Okay? Similarly, when supper was ended, he took the cup also saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, to call me affectionately to remembrance. To remembrance. Okay. Remember the place beside him on the rock. Remember the place that he hides you in, in the cleft of the rock. The cleft of the rock is the rock which is Christ is broken open so that we can go in. He has made open a fresh, new, living way for us. Hebrews 10, verse 20, through the opening of the Curtain, that is through his flesh, through the power of the blood of Jesus. We can go in, into the rock, into the cleft of the rock. That's where the rivers flow. That's where the shadow of the Almighty is, where the the wings cover you. That's where you're protected under his hand. That's where the rivers of life bubble up and flow. Consider Jesus. Remember him. If there's anything that you need to lay down, you have a Savior. How do you embrace the Savior? The cup of blessing. Okay? The bread which we break. Okay. All right, so we're going to have communion. We've got things ready for you, don't worry. It's like, can you look at idealist belief? like a little thingy where it's all together and you just open it, and okay? With, like, the, you know, the Catholic communion wine in it and so on. I think it's really cool. Okay. So, while you, while you partake, you can, you can open it so long. While you, if you, you're there in your home, just grab a piece of bread and a piece of, you know, a little bit of juice or wine or whatever you have or water even. Okay. If you need to taste and see that the Lord is good. If you need to know that God is good. Consider Jesus. If you need to, if you need something that can help you to bring you to repentance, to think differently, to, to stand in a place in a secret place in his very presence. In his glory, in his power. Where all the stuff that's in the world will not touch you. Think of him. Consider Jesus. Okay? So he said, this is my body broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. This is the New Testament in my blood. Drink this in remembrance of me. Okay? So you can, you can eat and drink an cook and pray thanks taste and see that the lord is good this is what he went through to pay for your life so that he can give you every blessing this is what it cost him taste and see that the lord is good this is his blood poured out so that you can be forgiven and washed clean and made holy the communion and the baptism i have died and i've been risen to a new life in god philippians I just want you to know this there's two verses that i'm going to read and then we go philippians two thirteen. not in your own strength okay be careful if you think you stand lest you fall not in your own strength for it is god who is all the while effectually at work in you energizing and creating in you the power and the desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction in the light. So God changes the desires inside you, so you don't have to fight it. Okay? Ephesians chapter 3 says he strengthens you with mighty power in the inner man. He wants you to experience it for yourself. Okay, Philippians 3 verse 10. For my determined purpose is that I may know him. That I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. Perceiving recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. And that I may in the same way come to know the power outflowing of his resurrection. Okay. May you know the power outflowing of his resurrection. May you experience His glory. May you know His salvation lifting you from out of the natural life and placing you in the cleft of the rock next to Him. Placing you in a place untouchable by natural things. A place under the shadow of His wings where nothing can touch you, where darkness cannot find you, where flesh cannot find you, where the natural stuff cannot find you. A place where you are hidden with Christ in God. A place where the glory of God shines night and day. I pray that you experience the goodness of God. May you taste and see that the Lord is good. May you know him that he is good. May you know him through and through. And may he give you a hunger for everything that is in him that he wants to give to you. May he give you a hunger for everything. May he give you a desire for everything that you haven't seen that you haven't heard, that you haven't revealed to you. So Lord, in Jesus' name, I just pray, deactivate our bodies for the things of the flesh. Uh, de- de- uh, deactivate our bodies, Romans chapter 6, but stir in us a desire, stir in us a hunger for God like we've never had before. In the name of Jesus Christ, a hunger for revival, a hunger to know you. Lord Jesus, let us know your goodness. But Lord Jesus, let us be hungry for more. So I pray for every person watching. I pray, Lord Jesus, that every person will have a hunger for God, a hunger for God's goodness, a hunger for God's grace. Like never before in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen.